Welcome to the WEPC Discipleship Podcast, because the gospel changes everything. here's a little pamphlet that uh, may be helpful um, I like I like it it's really good you know but what this is is this is a Presbyterian describing Presbyterian theology you know that's what Calvinism is you know like Presbyterian so I say that to say it's not like a balanced Here's what Presbyterian, here's what Reformed theology is, here's what Arminian theology is. It doesn't do that. Um, it is someone who's convinced of the Reformed faith, which I agree with, uh, and saying this is what it is. Does that make sense? Um, the other thing, like, that's what we're going to be doing, especially when we go through the Sinclair Ferguson book. He's get, we're, as we talk about the book, we will discuss what that is. Like, we'll talk about all the topics. So this is a small, short primer, uh, you know, for it. Yeah, no problem. Shane, good morning. Uh, All right, there was uh, two handouts in the back. One is the handout for today, uh, Lesson 9. And the other one is a copy of the article that I asked you all to read this past week. Uh, It's a very short article titled, I Was Discipled by Ellipses, the Church. (laughs) I Was Discipled by the Church. and so if you read this article, and even if you didn't read an article, it, it, it's back there, and it's a very short little, little blurb. Uh, what, are, what are some of the thoughts that came, back, came to your head as you were reading, I was discipled by the church? It's true? Okay. What is true about it, Glenn? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, it, sorry. I love that. I agree, and I appreciate that. A- any other thoughts? Discipling happens in all kinds of ways. Discipling happens in all kinds of ways. Yes. Yeah, it's not just this one monolithic thing. You do this to be discipled, and then you do this. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Joy? I was also thinking that, yes, I agree with the article, but I was also thinking about how our mindset is often different than that. Yes. That we want, like, a quick fix, um, that um, we bring to stereotypes and 
consumerism and it even goes into church where if it doesn't meet our needs immediately, then we want to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very consumeristic is where we normally are. Uh, if we just do this, get this thing out of it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Uh, what you're getting at is the the sovereignty of God over all of these things that are both good and bad and me- medium uh, to disciple us, uh, and um, we really can't control that in many ways. I mean, there are some things we can control, but I, yeah, I appreciate you saying that, Becky. Any other thoughts uh, about this article about what it means to be discipled? I mean, what is the name of this class? The 12 components of discipleship, which, as I told you at the beginning, was like a total lie or a conceit because uh, because what do we want? We want to be told that that I'm here and I want to be here. And so what you know, or actually more accurately, I'm here and I want to be here. And so what we need to do is just do step one, step two, step, you know do all these things to get us up there. And if I want to make, if I want to make some money uh, in the church, I could write a book about the 12 components of discipleship. Oh, this is what I should do. And I can tell people if they do step one, two, three, all the way up to 12, then they will be more like Jesus. Now, is that a possibly true thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could, there is a whole, um, uh, to, just to throw it out there, uh, early, in the early church, there were two ways that the church was discipled. The informal uh, catechesis, have you guys heard this word? Catechesis, uh, which comes from one of the Greek words that means to learn. And there was an informal catechesis which came through the patient suffering of the church. That is the way most Christians in the early church were catechized, is that they were patiently suffering through persecution. But there, all, there was a formal catechesis. And so the, the, the reason why there's a word today is because there was a formal catechesis in the early church where there was a catechumen uh, who was the teacher? Uh, please don't write any of all that down. But the, you know, it, there was a there was a whole process for the early church to go through a formal catechesis, which was really hard. 
I mean, it was really hard. If we did that today, West End Prez would not exist because no one could be a member. I mean, it was for uh, at least a year, you needed to come uh, to a certain class and memorize some words of the apostles. Uh, the, uh, there was a discipler, a, catechum, uh, a, a catechist who was overseeing your discipleship, your entrance into the church, and they would examine your life in your, at your workplace. They would examine your life at home. They would go through all this, like really what we as Americans would consider invasive. Uh, and then after that, they would, the, the, the catechist would then tell whether the catechumen was able to enter the church. And then they had to, they've memorized the Lord's Prayer. They memorized all these, the four pillar, pillars of discipleship. And then once they get in there, then they can take the Lord's Supper and go through all that stuff. There is a formal catechesis in the early church. Uh, the reason why I'm mentioning this is that is like this. That is like you're here and you want to get to enter the church, so you go through these steps. And like I said, sometimes that's a really good thing. But what you guys were just mentioning and what this article is saying is that most of the time, we are not discipled through a formal catechesis. We are discipled through the patient suffering and the individual little bits of times that we see the gospel. Does anybody want to be uh, vulnerable and say, um, well, you don't have to be vulnerable, but just uh, the moments when you think about the times that you see the grace of God in your life. Those moments in your life, when you think back, those moments when were poignant of, I see so clearly the grace of Christ in my life. Were those moments when everything was going well in your life? No, right? I mean, absolutely not. Uh, and the reason why I keep saying, there's another book if you guys really, I mean, I, I love reading. If you guys wanna read another book, there's another book, I forget the author, um, Kreider, Kreider, patient ferment of the early church. The patient ferment of the of the church um, is an excellent book. It was, it's fairly new, and it talks about what I just talked about. And it says the early church was discipled through persecution and the patient waiting of the Lord, just patiently waiting uh, when you are being persecuted. I mean, I, I've told this to some of y'all that know that know me and my family is that um, a few years ago we went through a pretty deep crisis when some family friends left the faith. Uh, some family friends that we had done life together. We had done uh, Bible studies together. We had led Bible studies together. We had like lived life. And uh, one uh, horrible, horrible situation in the family, and uh, they ended up leaving the faith. And it was horrible. If I could cuss right now, I would, to describe how it felt. Um, but from the ashes of that came, especially among, from my wife in particular, a a desire to learn, what is it that I believe about this? What is it that I know about this stuff? Um, and she, if she was here right now, she would tell you she had developed this new love of, 
uh, apologetics of, wait, why do I believe this stuff? Is it just because I grew up in the church, just because my husband's a pastor that I believe this stuff? Uh, but she d developed this new love of the gospel. Now, would I want to go through that experience again? No. But kind of like what you guys are saying and what this article is saying is that our discipleship happens in the, um, in the life of the church. Discipleship usually is not like this, although it could be. Discipleship usually is we enter the church, we enter the church, and then we have moments as we roam around in the church. And in those moments, we are being disciple. We're being made more and more like Jesus. As we go in and we go, I'm, I become a little bit more like Jesus and a little bit more and a little bit more in the life of the church. Um, it, you know, reminds us of that in the Loveless book, the, the diagram of the, the, our awareness of the holiness of God and awareness of our sin not intrinsic holiness or intrinsic sin, but just our awareness of God's holiness and awareness of our sin gets bigger and bigger. Thankfully, the cross is the largest one. That's the great thing about discipleship. So um, any, any other thoughts or comments about this article? Kathy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he saw Jesus in yeah. people in the church that he no longer went to. Yeah. And um, that is hard to forget. Yeah. And although, as you just described, yeah. a family that left their faith, they yeah. cover it over, but down deep, there has to be something still there of the Lord's love and desire to call them back. Yeah. Yeah. So that phrase, the church still had my heart. The church still had my heart. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's so true. I mean, guys, like I love talking about the fact that we live in community in the church. But once you really realize it, that is not easy. That's not hard. Like I, I have much sympathy for him and anybody that walks away from the church and the community of the church. I understand why, because it's hard. Like people get in your business, get all up in your business. Uh, and you can't hide sometimes when you're a community. And guys, like, whether you like it or whether you want to admit it or not, we all love hiding. We all love being our own thing. Um, there is some, there's, there is the difficultness of iron sharpening iron. Iron sharpening iron is a verse that we love to say, but if you're the iron being sharpened, I don't think you really like it, do you? If I was iron being sharpened, I wouldn't like that. Uh, so thank you for saying that, Kathy. And uh, there's another book. Sorry, I'm just throwing books at you, but I, you don't have to read them. I mean, we just talk about them. Uh, there's another book. I mentioned this at the end of last week, which is uh, Colin Hansen's Rediscover Church, Why the Body of Christ is Essential. I'm not sure when they started writing it, uh, but it was published this year and there's a lot in here about yeah, published in 2021 there's a lot in here about um 
the pandemic and coming out of the pandemic uh, as a church. And I copied on the handout uh, a little image. But before you get to the image, it's on the handout. The question that I want to ask you guys, should West End Presbyterian Church continue to live stream after all of this is over? What do you think? Pam? I say yes and no. Okay. Tell us why. Yeah, tell us why. I'm hearing you, Pam. If we, if we posted it shortly after it was broadcast, mm -hmm. would that sort of meet what you're talking about? Sure. Because sure. I think part of the question is actually live streaming, having people attend church at home versus somebody who can't be there and can then watch it later in the afternoon with right. their spouse. Is right. that fair, Joe? Yes, that's correct. That's correct. I, I want to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hear, I hear that, and I have, I think everyone in the room that just heard that has great sympathy for that problem, yeah, uh, and it's a problem. Even though he doesn't talk to me or anything like that, I mean, I still sing to him, and he still hears. He yeah. Still, I mean, there, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Good. Yeah. All right. All right. Other thoughts, John. What were you going to say? Um, I would say the same thing. Yes or no. Um, <laughs> and, and, and the reason I would say uh, no. It's absolutely based here on, on, on local uh, 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 factors. Yes, we do need to do Yeah. Yeah. You know, and be a church. So based on what you just said, I also have a different perspective. Yeah. Um, the church actually is being very invasive also right now. And, and we have international people that are here. Yeah. That may have some relatives overseas. Yeah. And if they pass that message that's just yep. for so us. Yep. And we have access to that. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, John. Thank you so much for bringing that up because that when this debate, when this uh, concept, this question comes up in discussion, it's almost always about well, what we hear and see the worship team doing and the prayers and the preaching of the word is amazing content. Can't we get more people to see it? So I feel I hear what you're saying, John. Like there's a part, you actually, actually also have a uh, community familial connection to that larger world who can't worship here in person. And so you're saying, I want my family, I want my community who are not here, but in another country, I want them to experience this as well. So I, I hear you. Yeah. Becky? Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they are at whatever time watching. I, I'm just 
Yeah. The, yeah. Because that's the question. Yeah. Right. The, the live right. Right. Okay. So. Yeah, so you, so you guys are bringing up the, the point about the liveness of it. This is a, this is a great discussion. I'm so excited about this because uh, it's so impressing on not just me as a church leader, but all of us. Like, why are you guys here? So I want to ask that, but um, uh, the liveness of it. So there is content that we're talking about. There is content in the service, in the worship service itself. Uh, that is being delivered, and I think anybody who believes that the content up there is good would say, I would want more people to experience it, right? I mean, if that's good, then I would want more people to experience it. Um, but, but Richard and Becky, you're bringing out the liveness of it. So wh- what, do you, what is good about the, the liveness of it? I know there's a better word, but it's escaping my head. What is there, uh, what's good about the liveness of it? Brian? Two things. The liveness of it makes it possible for it to be a replacement. So Ooh, okay, the, okay. Yeah. yeah. But, but that is a part of it, yeah. Um, it, it can be used as a replacement of in-body worship. Correct. You said two things. The, yeah. one, the one missing piece to me is do we have viewership data? How many people are Ooh, actually getting doing deep. this? Because are we solving a problem that isn't a problem, or yeah. would there be more yeah. participation in in-person worship? Uh, as the person that looks at the back end of the, the YouTube all the time, I can tell you that uh, it has been it has spiked months past, but for the past um, four months, maybe even longer than that, uh, we average around 40 to 50 concurrent viewers, a peak concurrent viewer. So we do it all through YouTube, as you guys know. This, this is getting really deep. I apologize if this is so boring to you guys, but maybe, uh, maybe someone out there will care. Uh, we judge it based upon peak concurrent, concurrent viewers. So if seven people are watching it at the exact same time, if there's seven screen, not seven people, seven screens open at the exact same time, that's counting seven. If an eighth person counts it, that's eight. The peak concurrent view is around 50. So on average, on Sunday morning, there are at most, at like one little blip in the worship service, at most there are 50 screens open on average. Uh, uh, at most on, on a Sunday morning. Does that make sense? So that's the data we're using to judge whether it's being used. It peaked in the hundreds and now it's dropped down to in the 50s and it stayed consistent in the 50s. So what I'm telling you is there are about 40 to 60 screens that very like weekly, not regularly, like weekly are watching our live stream. Does that make sense? I mean, there's probably more, but that is the... Is it local? Um, yeah. Um, it is uh, not all local. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I have mixed feelings about it, too, because as someone who was in the hospital a lot for a season of life, I was so thankful on Sunday morning to turn the TV on and you could catch Turning Point, you know, or... Yeah. 
Yeah. I think it's they might say for outreach purposes. Yeah. And I know not all are equal, mm-hmm. but I think there are some legitimate mm-hmm. sermons that are live streamed on the television. And now that we have our own laptops, I mean I don't think that that's necessarily as big of a deal as it was once upon a time. Yeah. Um, so I think there I think there is some No, this, yeah. I, I've always thought it would be great for Steve to be on. Yeah. The local oh, absolutely. Yeah. NBC 12 should show our worship service. <laughs> uh, really yes. I, yes. No, I'm, I'm hearing you. I, yeah. Richard? Uh, I'll just give the, a window into one of our session discussions about this. And yeah. Yeah. They said to their friend, I don't think I'll ever go back to church. It's so great to be able to do this while I'm lifting. Well, that, you know, sort of turned the discussion in a different direction because the elders were able to see that everything you said is true, but we need to be conscious of the fact that worship is participatory. We've mm-hmm. got to repent of it. I think work against the spirit of the age, which is about performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of worship services are performance, and we strive for that not to be the case. Yeah. I think you have to take in these these situations here where we're talking about family members, health situations, outreach. That's a great point. By the same token, we want there to be some draw to there's some there's nothing like, and we experienced this in 2020. There's nothing like gathering mm-hmm. live in the mm-hmm. flesh with other mm-hmm. believers. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's probably yeah. not a cut and dried easy answer, but we have to kind of factor. We don't want to encourage people to be in silos because ours yeah. is not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Richard. Yeah, Gary. Kind of go along with what Richard's saying. Worship is part of the church, but yeah. that is not all of the church. Yes, so yes. You know, this whole thing confuses yeah. my involvement in the church. Yeah. Yeah. Before even COVID happened, uh, one of the issues is there are a good number of people that participate in West End Prez, West End Prez's worship but no other aspect of the life of the church. And so, Gary, you're, exa- you're getting at the point. Uh, this is not a lot, but there are some of those folks that it's worship is it. Uh, so if you live stream it and get nothing else, then, yeah, are you part of the life of the church? I, I think, uh, Richard, you said this is, there's, no, there's no easy answer because I think all of us can understand. There's positives and negatives to what you guys said. There's yes and no. Uh, the, I think the issue... Uh, I've talked to plenty of church leaders of other churches who are just going to keep live streaming forever. They, they were like, well, now that we're live streaming, why wouldn't we? Uh, why wouldn't we keep doing it? Um, we have viewed it at uh, the staff level as the live stream is a window. And, you know, here's the window pane. Uh, and the church is happening back here. 
you know, here's the, here's the worship service. Here's Steve preaching behind the window. Uh, and, you know, there's a drum set and there's a really multicolored uh, blanket right up there. Uh, and he's in there and we're watching it. You know, the live stream is us in our living rooms or somewhere else looking in at the worship service that's happening in there. And at the peak of COVID, and even now for some people, this is the best that we can get. This is the best that's possible. I can't come in uh, for whatever reason, uh, so I'm going to be out here uh, as we watch it. The weird psychological, even spiritual thing that I'm seeing happen is at the beginning of the live or at the beginning of COVID, and then we were, when we were live streaming, the window was like this, and it was great, and it worked, and it was good, and I, I, I would say it was good. What's happened over the past months is we start seeing oh, these people over here, these people right here, these people right here. You know, we start seeing the rest of the church there and we start you know we um, we know that there's hundreds of people we can't see but they're all all out here that outside of our view does that make sense and so what's happening is at the beginning of the live stream this actually helped bring unity it helped bring unity because we were all saying oh we're all looking through a window but now that some people are looking through the window and they're seeing community in there and they're seeing the church go on without them, there are people in our church, and I'm not talking about the people that you got, that Pam and John that you were mentioning, I'm talking about the people that you were mentioning who are lifting uh, during worship. There are people who are part of our church here who could come in that are wondering, well, it's actually creating a distance. Am I part of this church? You know. It looks like community's happening back there and I can't, it doesn't look like I'm part of it. And the window is becoming smudged. You know, the window is becoming dirty. I don't know how to write smudges. And the window is becoming dirty and that is hurting that person's soul as they're looking through the live streamness of it, which as you guys were getting at, the liveness of it. Now, since the beginning of the church, uh, you could listen to, we would mail cassette tapes of Steve's sermons. I don't think we mail cassette tapes anymore. I hope not. <laughs> there are, we, we, at some point, we moved to CDs. I do know that. Uh, and there, uh, at least up until before COVID, right before COVID, there were still some CDs that we were mailing out to some people, some shut in some folks that uh, really wanted this the audio but as you can imagine there's this thing called the internet now and we put the sermons uh, of the service online and so Pam what you're getting at and I appreciate you saying that it, because there are people that can't get in there that can't look in and that's the struggle in this like how do we how do we get into that community when you can't get in, but also at the same time, discourage 
Matt, who's over there lifting in the, I'm, I'm just kidding, it's not Matt, um, you know, <laughs> who's lifting instead of the worship service saying, maybe I won't ever come back in. And so that's the struggle. Does, does that make sense? Um, Glenn, yeah? If Matt is lifting on Sunday morning and he is feeling like he's not a part of the unity, is that a catalyst to reconnect him to the church or does he get shut down? So uh, are you saying... Make a decision, hey, I, I see this unity going on. I'm not a part of this unity. Yeah. I got to go back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, you're, get, you're getting at, I want to view this as a psychological issue, but this actually is a spiritual battle that's happening in the life of, sorry, we're just going to keep picking on you, Matt. But it's a, it's a spiritual battle in the life of Matt's uh, discipleship. If he's, at, as if he's at the gym live streaming and, and lifting at the same time, uh, he may... He may start, it's gonna, he's going to have a, an individual personal battle between him uh, and the enemy who's convincing him to not be part of the church. Uh, but I, so is, is that what you're asking or are you asking more of like, what can the church do about that? Oh yeah, yeah. That is definitely happening with a good number of people. That spiritual battle. Oh. Are you seeing the outcome of the battle? Are they removing themselves or are they coming back in some of both? Oh, yeah, no. Uh, it's an open question to a good number of people. But I have seen the outcome answer in some people in both ways. Okay. I, I, could, I could definitely say that. Did, did that answer it? Open question for most. There are still some people that you guys know that were in worship service, were in the worship, who have not been here since before COVID. There are a number of those families. Correct. Yes, because of the choice that they're making. Yes, not because they can't, not because of a medical uh, or uh, not because of a, a shut-in purpose. But that is an open question. Yeah. So I think that for those that are already uh, predisposed to that spiritual bent, I don't know what yeah. you want to call it, they don't see any difference. Yeah. You know? and, and I think that that goes to a deeper core issue. Um, yeah. Because I've, I've sensed that sometimes yeah. in worship, you know, that people are, are they're here physically, but they're not here corporately. Yeah. In, in a, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And so they're viewing, they might as well have a screen. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that, because I totally agree. But at the same time, hold on, can you hold, just hold. At the same time, Karen, I, I totally agree with you, because there are times where I'm in worship service and my mind's on what I'm going to eat for lunch or, you know, the, the, whatever the stupid thing is that my mind is captivated on. And I, or, or even just I'm stuck in my own sin and I, I feel like I don't want to be there and I'm wrestling with God. There are t- times in worship where uh, we are mentally 
um, not worshiping. It's a consumerism. Yes, approach. yes. Yes, I agree, I agree, but at the same time, to, uh, on the point of like the live stream versus in person, at the same time, if you are sitting in the church, in the, the church, in body, and you're mentally go- so elsewhere, I still believe those consumers who come in in the worship service are being discipled a little bit by the in-person, oh, there's the guy that I hate, but he's singing the praises to the same God that I'm worshiping. I guess I can, I guess I can forgive him and, and pray. And so in body. I agree with you. I think people should be here. In person, yeah. But I'm just saying that there's... Point taken. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. Becky? Buckle up, guys. <laughs> Buckle up. This is being recorded. Isn't there? Yeah, it's always being recorded, right? Um, okay. Isn't there? So I just can't figure out. I, I have a lot of. We need to pray for those of you making these decisions, is what I'm realizing right now. Because there's so much, like, the heart for people who can't come and wanting them to be able to be as involved as possible. But. There's also, a, I think, a danger in making it too convenient. Not just like that I can lift while I do it, but just the idea that God and Christ in our relationship is at our convenience mm-hmm. and not understanding that there is a, like a discipline to that it, it's a life, like it's not just a podcast, mm-hmm. that it's, um, I think that it's dangerous to teach children are that this is just when it works for you as it works for you God is on your terms Mm -hmm. like we are living in people who have understood that as we are seeing the fall like a a lot of cracks in that situation before this just that's something that it was becoming and I think that there is a goodness in in saying no we're we're going to get up even when we don't want to even when we don't like to understand that god has asked us to be in community and he has set this part for a reason like anything else we follow his law even when it's not easy right i think there's a danger in making it too but then at the same time making it convenient allows you to outreach to people who don't know him so i don't know the answer the can i i that was becky that was actually not the worst thing you've ever said. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, that's great. Yeah, no, the convenience factor. I, 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 I think that's so, so wise. All right, Shane, then Joy, then Richard, and then we got to move on. I feel like we're looking at this in two binary of an approach. Ooh, ones, like, ones and zeros. If I'm in a place where I think the live stream is a valid replacement for church, and you cut that off, am I going to say, fine, I'll go to West End? Am I just going to say, okay, I'll leave church? Or am I going to live stream some other church that's going to be worse yep. than West End is? Yep. Like, isn't it better for that person to be watching West End live than to say, wow, well, I'll leave church? Uh, Shane, th- thank you for saying that. Yes, that, I think that is a, a, a valid point, and I think you're exactly right. For the people that see it as convenient, the convenience has discipled them to a point where 
you know, this is the best I got, or this is what I want to do. This is easiest for me to receive West End Press. Shane, I think you're saying exactly right that when, when we cut off the live stream, most likely they are not going to say, oh, I guess I should now wake up and go over to West End Prez in person. No, they're going to say, is there another church that I can live stream? I think that's probably the case for most. So I appreciate you saying that, Jane. Joy? Yeah, yeah. They're won over by a fancy live stream. What you win them with is what you win them to. I love that. I've not, I haven't heard that. Yeah, I love that. So, yeah. you know, it could go on, but it's like the consumerism or it's like the, you know, what Shane says, you know, if they're just won over by the live stream itself, yeah. then they're not yeah. really. Yeah. I, amen. Amen. Richard? 20 seconds. Amen to my sister. I think it was not the worst thing <laughs> And a word of encouragement to those who can't come is that this session at our last meeting was resolved in, en masse to take communion to anyone who is shut in and not able to come to the church. So yeah. in that sense, we're taking the church to those. Yeah. And that helps Yeah. Because we're trying, because they're outside the window and they really, they don't have much option. Yeah. So we want to come through the window to them and say, yeah. let us give you a taste of this. Yeah. I think that works against some more people. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate you saying that. I, to, to, in sum, I would say to this question about should West End Press continue to live stream after COVID-19, I feel like this discussion is enough to show us that I know of two things. To answer that question specifically, I know of two things. West End Prez will at some point stop the live stream. I know that. That will happen. Number two, I have no idea when that will be. Uh, and we talk about that all the time. When should we stop? Because we have, for good or for ill, I think for good, we, dis we have disi we discipled our people to go to a live stream, look through the window. And that has had good and negative repercussions. And we have to slowly disciple our people out. That, that's, what I, that's, that's what I know to be true. When that will be, I don't know. But at some point, we will stop doing the live stream. Uh, but it will change, possibly. Now I'm going into possibly. I said will and then possibly. It will possibly uh, change how we deliver content in the future. So will we keep video? Uh, uh, right now, pre-COVID, we just had the audio of the sermon. Will we record a video of the worship service and send that to people post? Maybe, I I'm not saying we will. I'm just saying uh, these are the questions. So uh, because, the reason why I had that question, because you see on the handout uh, this little image and this image is taken from the book, Rediscover Church, 
uh, by Colin Hansen and Jonathan Lehman uh, about what is the church. A church is, and this is their definition, a church is a group of Christians who assemble as an earthly embassy of Christ's heavenly kingdom to proclaim the good news and commands of Christ the King to affirm one another as his citizens through the ordinances. They're Baptists, so they say ordinances. I might say sacraments. And to display God's own holiness and love through a unified and diverse people in all the world following the teaching and example of elders. And they use that as the outline in this book, uh, chapter by chapter to go through that. What does that mean? And especially their chapter on point two, who assemble as an earthly embassy of Christ's heavenly kingdom. Uh, they go to lengths to defend the West End Press's position on live stream, which is it was a necessity at the time, but it should not continue uh, in perpetuity. Um, and, and, and they explain it. And uh, I put on here the handout of uh, what is the church, and it is uh, an assembly. That's what the church is. The church is a gathering of people. Quote from the book, the church gathering shapes people. Being in the church actually shapes you. Like it changes who you are. Uh, it changes how you think and... Um, yeah, it, it, it reshapes you. Uh, it is, is ha, the word ecclesia, which is what ecclesiology is, like the study of church, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Greek, it means assembly. That's what it is. Uh, and it comes from, and I put a couple verses here, Deuteronomy 31.30. Then Moses spoke the words of this song until they were finished in the ears of all the assembly of Israel. In the, in the, the Septuagint, which is the Greek of the Old Testament, uh, that, is, that word is church in all the church of Israel, the ecclesia. In Matthew 16, 18, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then we see in Hebrews 10, this is one of the topical memory system memory verses, if you ever memorized uh, TMS, topical memory system, Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I mean, the author of Hebrews sees that. Like, this is not a new thing. There's nothing new under the sun. Like, this, this is just what happens. Like, we uh, get something out of the church. I'm sure that happened in the early church. I'm sure that happened in the church that the author of Hebrews was speaking to is they received some type of spiritual blessing from being in church and then life and then life happens and then convenience or inconvenience happens and they neglected meeting together and so the gathering of the church can be inconvenient the gathering of the church i want you to hear if you hear nothing else i want you to hear this the gathering of the church can be inconvenient but so is love, right? I mean, like anybody here who's married or has kids or has a mom or dad or has any community with someone who loves someone or is loved by someone, you know what this is. Like love is not convenient, right? 
Sometimes it's great, but sometimes it's really inconvenient and hard. Amen? Um, and that's what the church is. The church is not, sometimes it's not convenient. Sometimes it's, it's convenient, but sometimes it's inconvenient. But so is love. Um, and so we need to gather together. And uh, you see in these little points uh, of this uh, what the church is. And so I had other things I was going to say, but I'll just stop there. Because I do want to draw you to something that I, uh, on the back of the handout. Uh, this is something that we've come up with. This is like totally off topic, but uh, it is, uh, this is one of the quadrants in our outline of the class. We're going through four different quadrants. This week is a strength quadrant where we're looking at, uh, you know, how to love God and love others in our, using our strength. And so... If you guys are sitting there as part of your discipleship, maybe not uh, formal, but maybe more informal in the church as part of your discipleship, if you need something to do, I got some stuff for you. Uh, and the, I just put two examples down. Uh, working in the library, the resource center, which uh, some of us were just in, the good students were just in, uh, I'm kidding. No, I'm not. Um, and uh, we need help. We need help with the library. Uh, there are, I could tell you plenty of stories. Joy has heard most of them. Uh, me lamenting about how I, it's not where I want it to be. Uh, I would love for the library to um, be a place that has uh, great resources. There's some great books uh, and there are some great books that are in there. There's also some really terrible books in there. Yes, there are some really terrible books in there. I'm volunteering. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, great. Uh, so we'll talk after class because yeah. we need some help uh, in there. The only reason I haven't previously is because I had no idea how that even worked. Yeah, well, I'll, oh, I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you. Get ready. Um, and then the other one is... The main way at West End Prez that people in our church are discipled is through home groups. That is the main way that people in our church are discipled. Uh, and our home group leaders carry a lot of that burden. At the beginning of the COVID pandemic, uh, we decided as a session, as a staff, that we need to reach out to every single person in the church. Like we needed to say like, hey, let's reach out. Let's figure out what's happening. And so we got the list of all the members and regular attenders of our church. And um, we first took out those that are in home groups. And we said, home group leaders, reach out to them. Uh, reach out to your people. Because that is the first line of defense in discipleship of people. So, uh, and then after we did that, then we said, okay, who's not in a home group? And then we sort of divided it up among staff and, and elders to try to reach out to everybody. Hopefully, we were able to at least have some initial contact with everyone in the church, uh, at least at the beginning of, of COVID. Um, I mention all that to say home groups are the first line of defense in discipleship. And we have a lot of home group leaders that are carrying that burden. If you are possibly thinking one way that I could serve is to be a home group leader for home group leaders, to care for and to love our home group leaders, 
talk to me later. And I would love to talk to you about what that uh, group coach would look like. So those are some ways that we can uh, serve and use your strength to love God and love others. That is all I have for today. Let me point to you to the homework. The homework is read Sinclair Ferguson, The Christian Life, chapters four and five, Called by God and Conviction of Sin. Remember, it's the Ferguson book, so it's a little easier to understand than the Loveless one. A bit shorter chapters, but, uh, but deep theology. So get ready for that. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll discuss that next week. Let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll be done. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the head of the church. Uh, Despite what it looks like, uh, you are the head of our church. And thank you, uh, Jesus, that you love your people, that you are in charge, that you care for us. And we do pray right now for the folks who are part of our church who have not yet come back in person for whatever reason, uh, whether it's Um, medical or fear or a true spiritual battle or the they're dying from the the inconvenience of it whatever it may be we pray Jesus that you that your Holy Spirit will minister to their souls help them to know that you uh, love them that they are dear to you and that they are dear to us as well and I pray that you help us Lord Jesus those of us that have Uh, been back in person. Oh, Lord God, help us to be slow to speak, uh, to care and have compassion on folks who are really struggling in the midst of this pandemic. Lord God, give us that grace to uh, to be your hands and feet in this world. We pray all this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. I got nothing else. We'll see you next week.